Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. the gates and ready to go. Hot Mike with Hutton with Row underway on this Tuesday edition. Sixth and Peabody our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. You find us across the Outkick network which includes YouTube streaming live there. You search out Outkick, subscribe to the channel. Chad is in the chat. Plus across uh, social media and Outkick.com If you're listening to this great radio partner we say thank you. Chad uh, Michael McHenry joins us later this hour. Put a bow on the Major League Baseball season and look ahead to his top three things Going into the offseason, he's going to be keeping an eye on. Um, and that, of course, is other than Otani, which will dominate the headlines. And uh, a bit later, the NFL always dominating headlines. John McClain joins us as we hit the, the top storylines and big roster decisions being made today at quarterback. Um, will Levis is the starter for the rest of the season, announced today by the Titans and Mike Vrabel. Tannehill, the backup. And Carson Wentz now with the Los He's Angeles back, baby. Rams. The Rams signing him during their bye week. Maybe looking to pull a 2023 version of Baker Mayfield. We'll, we'll see. That's bad news for Matthew Stafford in the injury prognosis. We'll uh, get McLean's take on that, plus Josh Dobbs and more. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Hutton. We've been waiting all season to find out what was going to happen with Carson Wentz. That has been the storyline. It's yep. been top of mind throughout the year. Finally, we know where Carson Wentz will be playing. And with Michael McHenry joining us, big news within his division. Oh, yeah. The NL Central, where Craig Council jumps from the Brewers to the Cubs, which has caused quite a stir. So looking forward to recapping the season uh, and then previewing the offseason in Major League Baseball. But uh, plenty of huge storylines continue, Hutton, and some without any resolution as of right now. Yeah, and you're, he's, uh, Chad, you're alluding to Michigan and uh, the sign-stealing allegations and the fact that the Big Ten has notified Michigan that they could be handing down penalties through Commissioner uh, Tony Petiti. And uh, details about what that could include. And uh, from the Michigan side of things, how they are lawyering up and preparing for their rebuttal in court, a possible lawsuit based on what the suspension could be and what the penalties could entail. Um, it, just reading through a number of details, the, the penalties range from just the, the reprimand, which we have referenced, which is like a $10,000 fine and uh, could be up to two games of a suspension for violating the sportsmanship policy for the Big Ten, um, and a, a wider range of potential uh, penalties and discipline, including withholding TV, a bowl game, uh, and bowl game revenue from, from Michigan. And uh, among other things, a, a suspension, of course, which would be punishment for Jim Harbaugh. Chad, this is from the, the visual, from the optics of things for me. Right now across college football, there is no one true leader. Unless you want to tongue-in-cheek say it's the networks, which I will agree with. Um, but we, we have two big voices, the Big Ten and the SEC. Right now, Greg Sankey, commissioner of the SEC, I would refer to as the most powerful person in college sports. 
He's on a lot of boards. His voice carries weight. The rest of the conferences typically just sit back and respond to what he says and follow the lead of what the Southeastern Conference is doing. They are strategically not saying very much right now in regards to all of the allegations and all the evidence for Connor Stallions and what Jim Harbaugh and Michigan's football program knew or, or did not know. Strategically, because if the Big Ten, Chad, comes up and says, hey, here's the discipline, we're going to lay the hammer down, hypothetically, and say, hey, uh, we're not going to want Michigan in the college football playoff. That benefits Greg Sankey because there's a greater potential for two SEC programs to get in. Again, it's about the revenue and the optics. But it's also that for Tony Petiti. Because when no one's wanting to step up and lead, even from NIL, or we see the split from a super, from what we see right now with the Power Five to a Power Four, where's the super conference? When does that happen? Realignment. There's no one true voice. It's really two conferences and the networks. We know it's not the NCAA. Tony Petiti has a chance, though, to send a message and be the only person willing to really put a face and a name behind it and say, I'm here, I'm leading, I want to do things the right way. And even though it's involving my conference and one of my member institutions, and it's going to affect all the member institutions monetarily, if you leave Michigan out of the college football playoff because you're going to suspend Jim Harbaugh, who Michigan wants to extend, not get rid of, we're doing this anyway. And we're going to do more than just talk about helmet communication and how this is going to be the path towards that. And we're going to do it now because the NCAA doesn't have the leadership available to actually put forth a, a violation, discipline, and punishment in time for this to go into effect for this program this year and instead would be retroactively going back and removing a banner potentially or just saying, hey, we're going to punish you now instead of then because it just takes time. They, they have an opportunity, and specifically Petiti, to follow, the, follow, follow me now, follow the flag. And I think a lot of institutions, many presidents, chancellors, ADs, are looking for that leader. And Petiti could lead the charge in this by doing this to one of his own instead of voicing a complaint about the big brother also down the street in the SEC, which is what Kevin Warren would do. Yeah, and I think the fear of lawsuits is what's driving a lot of this. This is not action out of leadership or being proactive. There's a lot of thought coming out of fear of what is Michigan going to do if we decide to act now. And Hunt, you're right about this. The one way to truly affect Michigan is to affect their season right now, whether that be an indefinite suspension of Jim Harbaugh, whether that be them somehow being removed from the Big Ten Championship, what, whatever that is. It's, it's getting to them right now and not waiting for the NCAA to complete their investigation and have something happen to student athletes and coaches four or five years from now that have nothing to do with what's happened with Michigan. So what has the Michigan response been to all this? They're not denying it. No one's saying that wasn't Connor Stallions the Central Michigan game in Central Michigan gear. Connor Stallions, I, I'm guessing he's getting paid to do so, but he's being very quiet, and he resigned his position. And while he resigned his position, he put out a statement saying, I was the only one who knew about it. Coaches didn't know anything about it. This was all me. So he's the fall guy for Michigan. Next step for Michigan, get all of your 
blogs on your side, okay? The Wolverine, others, they're carrying water for their university Check. right now they cover, right? Check. Check all, of them, all of them are on their side. There was a report out that Ryan Day's family was behind it. That report has been refuted by the NCAA, saying there's absolutely no evidence of any of that now. So everything that the Michigan Athletic Department has pitched to them has been reported by their own media, trying to, and we know how the game works, trying to protect their school for access they get to Michigan and everything else. That's how it works when you're covering one program and one team. Carrying the water for Michigan hasn't quite worked. The latest effort by Michigan is something that's been reported on by Pat Forty of Sports Illustrated and now some others that here is this anonymous staffer of another Big Ten school from a year ago. I'm guessing this anonymous staffer no longer works for said Big Ten school. Either he was fired or moved on to another program. But whoever the hell it is, they're not putting their name behind any of it. And they have now circulated, and you can go read about it. Sports Illustrated has it redacted, but here are Michigan signs that were taken by other Big Ten schools and circulated across the Big Ten. Now, the Sports Illustrated story from Pat Forty does a good job of laying this out. Sign stealing is not illegal. Okay, going off site and trying to steal signs electronically, scouting off site, regardless, illegal within the NCAA. Scouting off site and using electronic devices to do so, also illegal. So now Michigan's counter to all this is we're not denying what we did was really bad, but guys, we caught wind a year ago of this circulating amongst Big Ten programs where they had our sign. So our response was just we're doing it better and more involved, and we're skirting all the rules in doing so. But they're doing it too. This is a weird counter from Michigan over and over again. The NCAA's got them. The Big Ten's got them. Their first response was, yeah, we did it, but look who turned us in. Look who's behind it. Now the response is, yeah, we did it, but everyone still signs and everyone shares information across the league. I don't think any of this is going to help them ultimately with the NCAA, which brings us back to the question that Hutton has raised and we've talked about on this show. Tony Petiti is the one who can act on this. I am very curious to see this as one of his first big moves as Big Ten commissioner, how he handles this and what type of authority and strength he shows. Is he going to do what all 13 other member institutions want him to do? Or is he going to cower behind the threat of a lawsuit? Because what's the third piece of this that Michigan is pushing on the media? If you do something above and beyond, we will sue. We have our legal representation ready to sue you and get an injunction to stop whatever you're doing. Is Tony Petiti going to be afraid of that? Or is he going to act and show some teeth here? I think it's more about the injunction part of the lawsuit than the actual lawsuit itself. Because, again, I think the time the time frame of why they want this done now as opposed to later is strictly based on Harbaugh's team now and specifically what he knew and what he didn't know. What Dan Dockett's tweeted out last night has resonated with me because I think if you're Tony Petiti and you're going to hand down discipline, you're going to know more than what we know currently, publicly. And you're going to weigh that evidence. And there has to be something about the connection to Jim Harbaugh that Michigan believes no one has, even them maybe. They don't have evidence of this. But Dockett's tweeted out yesterday, according to Big Ten coaches I've spoken to, 
there is so much evidence of Harbaugh and staff cheating that, quote, he should get a 10-year show cause, end quote. That would have been relayed to the commissioner in that meeting last week and then potentially relayed to Michigan when he met with them in person, what, 24 to 40 hours later on campus in Ann Arbor. And now the notice comes about there could be discipline and penalties coming based on what has happened here. And aside from everyone's doing it, this is more than just, okay, he's looking into signs. The guy is on the sideline the day before Michigan season opener for Central Michigan in CMU gear where the head coach of Central Michigan is connected to the Michigan coaching staff. You can't sit there and say, and oh, by the way, on the opposite sideline of another member school, Michigan State. You can't sit there and say, well, everyone's doing it when it's blatant and obvious that you have a staffer who is connected to Harbaugh, but everyone says isn't allowed to actually speak the truth of what he's found, and it can't go to Harbaugh, but it goes to other people who Harbaugh would certainly know what the game plan is and what to expect, that it doesn't go all the way to the top, the dawn of Michigan football, the Michigan man. Chad, this, that's where the, further, the, the, the layers of the detail that Petiti must have here to have the full support of the, of the committee that will approve the discipline, that's more heavy-handed than what we publicly know right now, which is it's Connor Stallions and even he and his lawyer are saying that Harbaugh had no idea the depths of this. Um, but this has gone... It, other schools have known the depths of this because TCU was notified by multiple coaches that, hey, they've got your signs. It's the greatest sign-stealing scheme in the history of the world. Change your signs over the next 37 days before you play them in the college football playoff. We know how that game turned out. So if Harbaugh didn't know about Stallions on September 1st, the season opener for Michigan State and Central Michigan, but the other programs were chatting about this in January. There's got to be more info that the coaches and ADs and administrators have relayed to the commissioner to have the support and the backing of whatever discipline he's about to hand down. And it's, it's got to be more than the standard two games, $10,000 fine, and we did what we could because the NCAA won't. That's not good enough if you're going to do it at the level that Petiti's allowing us to speak on, which is the Big Ten stepping in because the NCAA doesn't really have much authority because they sit back and wait, and they're actually scared of the monetary lawsuit, not an injunction. Yeah, it's, it's also funny to me. We're getting a lot of uh, blowback from Michigan people in the chat. Sure. And this is good. This is good spirited conversation, debate, everything. And this is why we love college sports, right? We are emotional about our teams, okay? And we defend them at all costs, and I get that. Jake, who's clearly a big Michigan guy, uh, he says, you know, everyone's cheating, everyone should be punished. And I responded and said, stealing signs is not technically illegal, Going off-site and using electronic devices to steal signs is absolutely illegal. So unless you have proof of other programs doing exactly what Michigan did, it's not the same. And he comes back and says, I never said that, but sharing signs per the Big Ten policy is breaking the sportsmanship policy. Why aren't you talking about that? 
Jake and everyone else that's a Michigan person has been screaming at us and Dan and everybody else at OutKick or whoever else. By the way, not everyone at OutKick shares his opinion. Clay thinks everything's fine. Okay? So if you're a Michigan person, you're going to love Clay's opinion because he thinks nothing's going to happen. They're going to Cam Newton this thing out, and they're going to sue the NCAA if they do anything, and they're going to be fine. So you're going to like his opinion on this. You're probably not going to like our opinion on this, or at least mine. I can can speak for myself on this. And if you're scared of uh, of the lawsuit, to me it's just the injunction that's going to allow things to play out me let me get into this uh, allegation, okay? The Michigan people that are screaming at us saying, let all the facts come out. Where, where's your proof? Where is it that? When we're showing you videos, we're showing you photos, we're showing you all these different things, tickets purchased, all of this evidence, are now coming back and saying, why aren't you talking about that one anonymous former Big Ten staffer that no one knows who he is that sent in a redacted photo of a play sheet claiming they shared it with the entire Big Ten without any digital trace that it actually happened? We don't have that yet. There's not proof of that. So which way do you want it? You want us to not talk about it when there's mountains of evidence against Michigan, but yet you want us to say, hey, wait on all the evidence, but on this one, let's go ahead and act like it's it's gospel. Not going to do it. Further headlines coming up on Hot Mike. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer. With over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros, Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Connor Stallions, old vacuum cleaners, and some guy named Jeff. Welcome back. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the, uh, the Outkick Network. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Ehop Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Chad, uh, Lance Higgins of the Wall Street Journal covers college sports, uh, and uh, he's their main reporter there. He's done, like, lots of digging uh, on even back to 16-year-old Connor Stallions who had a, a lifelong goal of becoming Michigan's head coach. Includes this in uh, the the report that uh, David Oven thankfully screenshotted and put this out behind the uh, without a paywall um, from Lance Higgins. Property records indicate that Stallions purchased a four hundred eighty five thousand dollar house near the Michigan campus in Ann Arbor in March of twenty twenty two. That was shortly before his stint with the Marines ended, and not long after he moved in that spring, dozens of old vacuum cleaners appeared on his front porch. The unsightly stash peeved neighbors and sparked the interest of the homeowners association which isn't hard to do but 
is great for this story. This is going right back into the comedy version of the yes, story yes. that's going to be made at some point that I can't wait for. The Homeowners Association sued Stallions for allegedly operating an appliance refurbishing business out of his home in violation of the HOA bylaws. Stallions fought back and represented himself in trial court, and in a letter written in response to a summons last October, this is what he wrote. I suspect that whoever has chosen to sue me either one doesn't like the fact that I'm a veteran or two is a Michigan State fan and knows I'm a Michigan football coach and wants to draw my attention away. He had one Spartans fan in mind, quote, someone named Jeff, end quote, who lived down the street Jeff. and had a son attending Michigan State. And he goes on to write, he uncomfortably questioned me about Michigan football and what goes on in our building, giving me a bad feeling about him. He definitely seemed like someone who wants to distract me with unnecessary time-consuming things like this. How about this detail? Amazing. It is. What a great piece of journalistic work done by this guy to dig up this complaint and what happened. I think if there's any, uh, you know, it's more, It's this is all comedy. Yeah. And having the old vacuums out in the front of his house Refurbishing is vacuums. Yeah, refurbishing vacuums as a side hustle is an amazing and, but, side hustle. And, for that's, and that's not science. distracting. That's no, not distracting this, for the Michigan analysts. But. This speaks to the level of paranoia <laughs> with Connor Stallions. I mean, keep in mind, and again, this is not unlike something that, you know, me and my buddies probably did back in 2004, but this Michigan manifesto that he and his friends worked on about how they were going to save the Michigan football program <laughs> and take it to the next level that detailed a lot of this stuff, it's not the most uncommon thing ever. It's what you, your diehard buddies that are diehard fans of a school would sit around on a road trip to a game on a Saturday and talk about on the way up to the game and on the way back of how you would handle things. So it's very detailed, though, from Connor Stallions. I think this specific story about blaming the guy in the neighborhood that's a Michigan State that's got a kid going to Michigan State and all that, it speaks to the level of paranoia of Connor Stallions. Uh, I think Jim Harbaugh probably has a lot of that paranoia also. It's why he hired a director of intelligence for his football program that right there, employee of Michigan football says, I am going to bring Marine Corps-like strategies and bring intelligence into football with my job at Michigan. So, again, for the Harbaugh didn't know crowd, it is one thing to say there's no digital evidence of him getting text messages about this. But... If you truly believe he didn't know, a counter to this is Pat Fitzgerald lost his job because he didn't know enough about it. They even said we can't prove that he knows everything going on, but it's his job to know. It is Jim Harbaugh's job to know. I believe he knew, first off. Okay, I'm not buying that he's getting there getting instructions from a 24-year-old GA analyst during a game, taking his headset off to listen to him about what's happening right before the ball is snapped, and then Jim Harbaugh didn't know what he was up to or what his job was at Michigan. That's a load of BS. I, I believe he knew. But even if they can't prove he knew, it is his job to know. There is failure to monitor as part of this at Michigan. So that's not going to cut it. Maybe it helps Jim Harbaugh get his next job in the NFL if he can prove that he didn't get any information on it. But it's not going to help Michigan ultimately. Well, ultimately, though, it goes back to the, the board of directors at Northwestern and the board at Michigan State wanted ultimately – one university doesn't value athletics. Like, no one would other than Ohio State and Penn State probably like Michigan does, right? Um 
the other one wanted Mel Tucker out. And in this case, the board and everyone behind Harbaugh wants him to stay. That's because they're winning, right? Like they're yeah. beating Ohio State. If this were Ryan Day and roles were reversed and you're losing and you feel pressure, even though there shouldn't be because you're still going to college football playoff appearances, Chad, what would the, what would the temperature be now if the roles were reversed and you're losing to the arch rival? You know, uh, oh, it's, it's totally different. Uh, Tennessee's a great that's, example that's all of this. It is. I don't think it's because of the well, failure to, 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 to oversee what's going no, on. And, and I'm talking about the defense from Michigan and Michigan people on, on right. Harbaugh. Yeah. It's happening because he's 33-3 and three or whatever the number is, 34-3 and three now over the last three years or what, whatever his record is. Uh, Tennessee's a great example. Tennessee got handed over information about Jeremy Pruitt. There you go. Made it a hell of a lot easier to fire him and his staff when they just went 3-7 and seven in a COVID year. And the trajectory of the program wasn't right. I mean, let, I'm, I'm a Tennessee grad. I'm not going to kid myself about that. If Jeremy Pruitt had Jim Harbaugh's record, I'm willing to bet that they'd probably fight for Jeremy Pruitt a little bit harder and try to prove he knew nothing. But here's what ultimately would have happened in that. After all the interrogations and all of the depositions and everything else, even if they could not prove without a doubt, which, by the way, the NCAA did prove that Jeremy Pruitt absolutely knew what was going on, but even if they couldn't, it wouldn't matter. It would fall yeah. on a failure to monitor the program, and Tennessee would still get hit with something. Tennessee lowered what the boom was going to be because they cut ties with all those coaches with everything happening. Immediately, they cooperated with the NCAA. I don't know how Michigan's cooperating with the NCAA. They claim that they are, but this is ultimately Jim Harbaugh's responsibility. And we'll keep saying it, the only way to truly affect Michigan is to affect them right now. And the only one who can do that is Tony Petiti in the Big Ten office. That's the only one who can do it. If not, I think they probably continue to win. The other one is, Hutton, this take care, takes care of itself on the field and Penn State right. and Ohio State take care right. of Michigan. And then, and then the committee, the college football playoff committee, who has them currently third, and we'll find out if there's any movement later tonight, has them third, the one loss is detrimental to Michigan based on the outside factors, right? They, yeah. If you're comparing one loss to one loss and, and schedule to schedule, they're going to lose out based on their loss down the backstretch of the season. That's just, to me, obvious based well, on what the committee would do and where they have them right now. And the example Clay keeps bringing up is 2010, Auburn winning the national title with Cam Newton at quarterback and the whole deal where his uh, dad got a new church yeah. uh, who was a, a preacher through Auburn and got paid to go play at Auburn. And it's it's pretty clear that's what happened, but Auburn fought it and fought it and fought it. The story did not go away, though. When Auburn kept winning on their undefeated run, it got bigger and bigger and bigger. So if you're one of these people that are just pissed off that anybody's talking about Michigan, us included, root, for, root like hell for Penn State and Ohio State to beat them. Because Michigan will continue to be the story as long as they're in prime position to play for a national title. And that's going to continue to be the case until they lose. And they need to lose twice for that to happen, to, for you to be sure of it. So root for Penn State, root for Ohio State if you want the story to go away. But just like Cam Newton in 2010, this will continue to be the story as long as the ride continues. Because that was the story of 2010 was, is he going to sit? Is he going to be eligible? Is something going to happen to Auburn? And what happened was Cam kept playing Auburn kept winning, and eventually they won the national title. Is that what the Big Ten and the NCAA wants at the conclusion of this year for this to ride out for Michigan to be national champions? 
about to find out. Uh, John Bacon, who is a New York Times bestselling author, um, posted this. For what it's worth, Big Ten's Tony Petiti was informed today, um, meaning today, uh, Tuesday, that the, the By the two, way, huge Michigan guy, John Baker. Okay. He's written books about uh, Michigan football. Was informed today that the two programs which fed Purdue Michigan signals before the 2022 Big Ten title game were Rutgers and Ohio State. Not clear if rules were broken. It doesn't directly affect Michigan's situation, but raises the question about competitive advantage. And, of course, they're comparing that to what's going on right now, competitive advantage for having the signs that Connor Stallions was able to dig up while doing so on offsite on, on other campuses. And what's the common thread there? Well, Ohio State obviously hates Michigan. And who's the head coach at Rutgers? Oh, yeah, a guy who was the defensive coordinator at Ohio State. Right. Who, ha- who has ties to that entire staff and but, Greg Schiano. But how about with uh, the report, well, the report, the rumor that was out about the, the ties to the uh, private investigator firm, investigation firm that apparently connected back to Ryan Day in Ohio State. Ross Dellinger of Yahoo Sports says it was just hey, all a rumor. Uh, that, in fact, it's false. Just a rumor. Trying to point it back to them. And that the, the NCAA informed Petiti about that. That it was just a rumor. Which tells us, if you're just trying to connect the dots, that the NCAA's almost hand they're hand-feeding Petiti information about what they've been able to obtain because their process generally takes over 300-plus days to come to a conclusion. And there is no appeal process if Petiti hands down some type of punishment other than, uh, you know, the injunction that could come through a court system. Yeah, and, um, you know, the the John Bacon report on this, again, Michigan media is not exactly batting a 1,000 with their reports throughout all this, and they're getting all this from Michigan. Right. But Bacon is saying that, that, you know, he was informed by Michigan, obviously, is where his sources are coming from. Michigan informed on Ohio State and Rutgers being the one that fed signals to Purdue before last year's Big Ten championship. And I understand what he's saying about it brings into question the competitive advantage and all that. But even Bacon says, not clear if rules were broken. Well, if you didn't get the signals off-site with an electronic device of your own, that rule was not broken. Now, the question that I would have, Hutton, and I don't quite know the answer to this, we've talked a lot about sportsmanship policy in the Big Ten. Could Tony Petiti say that sharing information that you've gathered with other Big Ten programs to help beat another Big Ten program is a violation of the sportsmanship policy? I'm guessing this policy is pretty vague, and maybe he could come back and say that. That, hey, if, you, if we can prove that these programs did this, no, you didn't go off-site, no, it's not an NCAA issue, but it is a Big Ten issue and it violates our sportsmanship policy if you're sharing signals of other teams with other Big Ten teams. I, I don't know. I don't know if they could claim that, if they want to claim that or not, but that would be a question I would raise. Yeah, and, and the other thing, like I, I, I would agree with the, the opinion of those, even Michigan fan or not, that would say other schools are sharing information, intel, with other programs, not just with Michigan or Ohio State or Rutgers or Purdue or whomever. Uh, this is going on, and I, I would say yes, because with all of the movement across college sports with coaching, someone's always got a connection to another program of your benefit. 
So I don't, I don't think that's rare. The question is, how is it obtained, and what is the reasoning behind doing exactly that? What and also by putting this out there, and that um, Michigan, excuse me, that uh, the NCAA uh, informed Petiti of this and informed Michigan of this. Um, what does that do for a competitive advantage, and how do you quantify that versus doing it how Michigan is? how they've gone about doing this to some degree versus someone sending a text, right? And a coach to a coach. And, that, and, and that's tough. That's tough to actually come up with a punishment for if in fact you're going to be consistent with that punishment as other things come to light or as other coaches rat each other out for the simple fact that they're your main opponent on game day. By the way, I think you could probably, uh, deduce who this anonymous staffer of the Big Ten was last year, because you're probably going to trace it back to Purdue, would be my guess, because that person would have it. They would know it was circulating around the Big Ten. They would know they got it from Rutgers or Ohio State. All that knowledge would be there. And this is where we get into the tentacles of this story. We talked about it with South Carolina versus Tennessee and, and Clemson, everything else. When is Jeff Brom going to get a question about this? Now the head coach at Louisville who was Purdue's head coach last year in the, in the Big Ten Championship game. Some reporter probably needs to ask him the question, hey, this is being reported. Did you have their signals last year? And they're probably going to get a no comment on it. But again, this is where all this stuff starts to go when you start levying accusations, not just around Michigan, which, by the way, Michigan's not denying any of the stuff with Connor Stallions, just that they're cooperating with the NCAA. But now Michigan is starting to get their own news cycle out there on some other teams. So where do we go next with it? Yeah, and this is... Wherever from, we go, it's going to be Ten's exciting. Sportsmanship policy is more about the competitive integrity that they're going to point to. Yep. Not that it happened off-site. But the question would be, how did these other programs obtain that information on Michigan if it happened? And the information that they acquired, did it just come from a game day sideline or was it scouted off-site? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Coming up, NFL headlines, including some quarterback decisions. More on Connor Stallion's possible court action, being prepared and ready to go on behalf of Jim Harbaugh if a suspension is handed down his way from Tony Petiti in the Big Ten. Much more throughout the show. John McClain coming up in a little under an hour from right now. We say hello to the fort, Michael McHenry on Hot Mike with Hunter Withrow here on the Outkick Network. Uh, former big leaguer and now uh, a big league analyst. Michael, what's up, man? Hope things are well. Uh, everything's good. Just getting over a little bit of a cold. I've been uh, a little bit miserable, but I like the uh, deep voice it's given me. I kind of feel like Jocko Wilkin right now. I feel like we've entered the time of the year where everyone's uh, got a cold or just had a cold or is yeah. about to get a cold at the, all at the yeah, same I, time. It's, it's happening all at once. 
every time I, I hang out with a bunch of kids, you know, whether I do a camp or I go to a little Halloween party like I did about a week ago, I end up getting sick. I think I'm just a giant little kid. I'm like yeah. Billy Madison. Those kids, reality. they're they're germ carriers, that's for sure. A uh, big shakeup in your division, <laughs> Michael, with the NL Central. <laughs> Craig Council, winner of three of the last five NL Central division titles as manager of the Brewers. He bolts. He's headed to be the Cubs manager with a record contract. How big is this shakeup for that division? I think it's huge, and I think it's a big reason why Milwaukee didn't have the year that they expected to have, especially with the team they did. The offense really struggled. The defense wasn't as good as they thought. And also, you look at the pitching. They they didn't really put it together the way that you thought they would. It's because Council, from the get-go, was in negotiations with his contract. He wanted more money. He wanted more opportunity. He wanted to a little bit more length and why wouldn't you, you want security. His kids are in high school. He wants to make sure that he can, you know, kind of settle in, be somewhere where he wanted to be for a while. Milwaukee being his hometown. I was surprised to see him leave. I thought they'd figured out with the GM leaving and going to New York. I thought for sure he was going to get that New York job, get the money he was looking for. Not in a million years. did I think my guy, David Ross was going to leave Chicago in such a weird manner. And council was going to walk in eight million dollars a year being the contract it's it's remarkable he's the fifth highest paid professional coach now it's it's one of those things that's unprecedented but i think it's going to change the game forever how about the fact too that he will make more over the five seasons managing the cubs than he did in his 16 year major league baseball career it, it's wild and it kind of shows where baseball is at especially when it comes to finances the finances in baseball are just astonishing. I mean, we're going to see things this offseason that we've never seen before. We're going to see guys on paper that look average. They're going to get 20, $25 million a year. We've seen guys that in the past were probably backup catchers getting five, $6 million a year. And we're going to see somebody and show Aitani get at least 45, $50 million a year, whether he gets a short term with opt outs, whether he gets a long-term deal. I think that's, you know, really something that's going to be super interesting going to the offseason because it's all unprecedented. And then we're also going to have some of the best players coming from overseas that we've never seen in the money they could get. It's going to be a really wild ride this offseason. How much did the money change just throughout the duration of your career from when you entered to when you left? I mean, if you just look at how the uh, league minimum is the best way to put it. When I started, it was at $400,000. As of last year, it's almost $800,000. I mean, that's remarkable. My first day in the big leagues was in 2010. 13 years later, you're talking about almost doubling it. I mean, there was no posting with, with free agents. There's a lot of different animals. But if you can get to that six-year marker, that free agency, you can make so much money. Even through arbitration, you can make a ton of money. But when you get to that six years, which is very hard to do, very few guys actually get there. But if you get there, you're going to make a ton of money. What was the pay bump for you in that first call-up from what you were making to what you made over that stint? So I went from being about $65,000 a year to $400,000 a year. That was the pay scale, uh, obviously, in salary. So I had a month of $400,000 when I went up to the big leagues. It's it's crazy how it can jump that much. And then you go back down, you get another increase. They do it by three-year, 40-man. If you go back down, you still have you know a little bit over six figures. But even that has increased over time. And then also with the MLB takeover, the MILB, um, with the players' union, They've also been able to bump those guys' pay scale way up, especially from the bottom. I mean, it's really good what they've done there. I think it's changed the game. It's pushed out a lot of teams. A lot of small cities lost minor league teams because of it, but I think it's better off for the players. 
Who leads the charge in the offseason among the things that uh, you're, you're going to be eagerly uh, watching? Who leads the charge in the free agent market? And how many legitimate owners are willing to play that game with the money that will be thrown around? Well, Hut, you're going to be really excited because Go your ahead. boy, Mike Ellis, just won executive of the year and, and well-deserved. I mean, the owner kept saying things he probably shouldn't say, talking about money. You just stay away from it. And he meant it. They haven't. Yeah, yeah, they have an opportunity to be the next Atlanta Braves, but even better, in my opinion, because they have a lot of young guys that they could lock up. They have a ton of money. I think they're either 27th or 28th in payroll, yep. and they've been in the top 10 before. So you kind of look at what the Orioles have the ability to do. They could go out and get a Tani and not be, a, not be an issue at all. I don't think they're going to. But the biggest thing for me is they have the youngest group and core that could really be together for a long time. seems like they fight together. And if they don't lock, lock up Rutschman, I don't know what they're thinking. And they have some of the best prospects in all of baseball. Triple A team wins the triple A national championship. They have a lot of good things going. So that's the most exciting team to look forward to. But I think when you look at the market, LA is completely, I'm talking about the Dodgers have completely set themselves up, especially after letting go of JT Martinez, not posting him to go out and get Otani. I've said that's the team. I believe it's going to be the team. I think they're going to lock him up for multiple years because Otani brings a presence, not just on the field, but off the field, that international market that he's going to bring when it comes to finances for that organization is going to be incredible. Yeah, and, and I, I look around also, and you see all the early projections about you know top teams, <clears throat> one through 30 across baseball, and it's really the teams that ended the regular season close to the top. You know, I'm seeing Braves and Orioles, you know, one, two, or three in a lot of these preseason projections. And a lot of this is going to shake itself out with with what's going to happen in free agency and Otani and everything else. But what does it say about those top teams and their cores that are locked up for some of these groups? It doesn't seem to be a lot of teams that's in enormous states of in flux going into the offseason when you look at some of those teams that perform really well throughout the regular season. I think this playoffs, if it taught us nothing, it taught us that you can't buy a championship. I mean, even Texas, with some of the big names they have, they didn't have Seager at some points. A lot of young guys had to step up. Max Scherzer was on the sideline. DeGrom was on the sideline. They did it without the money they spent. And a lot of teams can't handle that. You can't take on a $100 million contract if you're the Twins or the Pirates and two of them fail. You're, you're just completely washed out. You can't replace those type of players. But Texas being... Uh, maybe a mid-major or maybe even a little bit bigger when it comes to market size, they were able to handle it and win the World Series. The Diamondbacks getting in the World Series is just phenomenal for baseball. And you look at what the Tampa Bay Rays did. A lot of teams this year did it without spending a ton of money. So you, you can't buy your way to the top. So having a core group like the Atlanta Braves, even when it comes to the coaching staff, I mean, those guys aren't leaving. You're not hearing any of those names on that bench in any of these managerial talks which is phenomenal to show you what they have there. I mean, it's showing you, hey, we're going to bring back Charlie Morton for $20 million. Is he worth it? I have no idea. He's 40 years old. He's an incredible human being. They're bringing him back because of that human being, not because of his necessary performance. Is it going to be worth $20 million? If you get that guy in a locker room, it's worth $20 because he makes everyone around him better. That's what Atlanta's figured out. I believe that's what Baltimore's going to figure out. So a lot of these teams are trying to do is build a core that lasts. He is the Fort Michael McHenry, our guest. Among the Major League Baseball Awards finalists, who isn't going to win Cy Young or MVP that you feel like will win Cy Young or MVP down the road sooner rather than later? Well, I'll say this. When it comes to Gold Glove, first off, uh, the, the fact that Bailey in San Francisco did not win the Gold Glove 
he he literally in almost every matrix and every analytic and you go to baseball savant you go to fan graphs anywhere you want to go he was the best catcher in baseball by far and he didn't win because they didn't make the playoffs i have no idea but that was a a travesty to me especially being a catching guy but i i think you're going to see a lot of the same i hope otani wins the mvp in in the al he deserved it last year we we had that conversation a bunch but i think you're going to see you know a shame of a bunch of guys that don't win. I think Blake Snell is going to win the Cy Young in the NL. I believe uh, Garrett Cole, my buddy's finally going to win his first Cy Young. Any other year, you're going to see Sonny Gray probably win that, but it's been a different year. A lot of newcomers. I mean, Nolan Arenado won a gold glove for almost 11 years straight. He wasn't even in the gold glove talk. Key Bryan and Pittsburgh wins it. And I think he's going to run away with it for years to come. So a lot of new names, a lot of, a lot of cool things happen. First middle infield uh, with the Cubs in history, which was remarkable to me. I think that's something that Craig council is walking into that maybe most people don't realize that defensive team is going to be as good or better than any team in the national league next year. And if they get a couple of people hit here or there, when it comes to free agency, they're going to be one of the better teams in the national league next year. Michael, uh, the question's coming at the end, not the beginning, the Rangers win the world series. How does major league baseball address this where it's not an afterthought? It should be the headline. That's a great question. Um, I, I have no idea. First off, they need to communicate. The, the biggest thing that Major League Baseball needs to do is communicate to the fans. They need to communicate to each and every ordinance when it comes to down the line, the pecking yeah. order. They have to do a great job with this stuff. I think a lot of sports teams in general, and especially when you go to the hierarchy of these systems, they don't communicate well down. You know, th- There's not a, n- enough transparency, not enough understanding, not enough seeing another one's reality, but uh, I, I think kudos to Texas, everything they did. I, I'm so proud of all those guys. I do know on that team and, and kind of the shortcomings they had, what they fought through and, and seeing the growth in some of the guys that got opportunities that maybe wouldn't have anywhere else. You know, we're going to see a, an NBA version of quarterback uh, with uh, Peyton's company, but also partnering with LeBron's production company. Um, we, we obviously we, we see hard knocks. Major league baseball isn't receptive to that right? Why not? And to me, that's the next level of spreading out kind of the, the, the PR push to individuals instead of teams in markets. I believe it's the, the, the union and the, the MLB ownership group, just butting heads. It's always about the dollar. And when you kind of go push to shove, it's always going to be about that dollar. I think NFL, NBA have have come to reason they, we're going to make a ton of money and, a lot of the players have given up a ton when it comes to NFL and NBA. <clears throat> but if you look at the MLB, they always go back to that free agency, those contracts. But if you look at history, 1% of the 1% in MLB are actually going to make that Mike Trout money, that Bryce Harper money. Guys just don't sign that. I mean, you're talking about maybe five to 10 guys every offseason, maybe get lengthy deals. I mean, it's not like you're, you're seeing a 10-year deal year after year after year, there's been years where we, we skip three or four years. We don't see that 10 year deal. And I think we fight too hard as players for that. When we should look at the, the bulk of everything. I think they did a better job this year of interviewing players on the field, getting guys to talk while they're playing. I thought that was a blast. They didn't carry that on throughout the season, but they should, but they're actually compensating guys and they have an incentive to do that. They need to get these guys young. If they get these guys young, they're used to it. Everything's going to kind of fall in place. And I think, all those things could happen. I, I do believe that they need more of an inside look. 
You should be in the batting cage. You should be out in the mound. You should see the analytics. And yeah, you should be able to follow these guys around a lot more, just like hard knocks and that inside look you get in the NBA. I think they do an incredible job. I mean, the hotel, the travel, uh, everything for a daily sport like that. Even a manager. It's a shame they can't figure it out because full swing with the PGA Tour, quarterback, all these shows we're talking about, Drive to Survive with Formula One. F1 does an incredible job. I think Major League Baseball could be close to the top of the list of interesting and entertaining if you found the right players to follow for an entire season. No doubt. Uh, Fort, you've been great the entire season with the analysis. (laughs) And uh, thank you for that. And we can't wait to have you uh, in town and, and back on during the winter meetings, which will be right here in Nashville. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. And guys, like you said, I think the players have to take the stand and do it without the ownership group. Just start going. Brand yourself. I mean, I think the NIL stuff is going to get guys at a young age to understand that they are a brand, they are a business. Bring it into the Pro Bowl, and I think it'll take off. So thank you, guys. You've been a blast. Uh, It's a a blessing every time I come on here. You guys are wonder. We love having you on. Thank you so much for doing it. Michael McHenry. Uh, we'll uh, be spreading the love on the the podcast that he's doing as well, which is uh, very, very good. Um, Chad, all we get on the inside is like a 60 minutes deep dive on Otani. You know? Yeah. And that's pretty much it. I've got, let's expound upon that a little bit when we come back. Because okay. I've got ideas for how that would work. We had a lot of people saying it wouldn't work for this specific reason. I'm going to give you the specific way to do it that you could keep it fresh. And do we want penalties for Michigan this season? If so, there's something that contradicts that with another program on the gridiron. That's next and Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow across the Outkick Network. <laughs> 